All right, everybody, welcome to the second episode of the Backseat Huddle Podcast. I am your host, Tristan Weber, illegitimate son of Tom Brady. This is my co-host, Addison, purveyor of all things interesting and bad takes. So today, what we are going to start off with is going to be Joe Burrow. So Joe Burrow and the Bengals had a really tough week this week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Mr. Joe Burrow threw four interceptions and lost a fumble and fumbled one more time. So let me ask you this, Addison. Does this change your view on the Bengals and Joey B? So my overall opinion on it, and this is kind of, I'm a little salty, but I got a little bit unsalty now that I've gotten days for rest. Mm. I will say the stuff I was seeing in the the offseason that Joe Burrow is a top six quarterback in the NFL right now is absurd to me. I think he has the potential to be top two quarterback. I think this year he could be a top two quarterback. I think he has a lot of talent and potential, but in no way is he currently a top six quarterback. Um, In terms, I, I mean, I still think Lamar Jackson is better and this is controversial. And I think now that Dak is injured, I still think Dak as oh currently God, is no. better than Joe Burrow, but Joe Burrow is it's, it's neck and neck, but like the stuff I was saying about Joe Burrow, it's like, to be fair to him, he did have the appendix industry, uh, injury, which basically meant that he probably couldn't have watched a whole lot of film and couldn't be active in terms of preparing for the Steelers before turnovers. Mind you, teams have a whole year of film and tape on Joe Burrow. They know how Jamar Chase is. They're getting an idea of everything. And I think Joe Burrow is an amazing quarterback. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, you don't just go out there and force, throw four interceptions and lose to Mitchell Trubisky. He lost to Mitchell Trubisky. Look at me. No, look at my eyes right now. He lost to Mitchell Trubisky. Okay. All right. He lost right. to Mitchell Trubisky. Plenty of good. <sighs> Mitchell Trubisky is a solid. Okay. 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 I can't Y'all handle this. Chill. Okay. I can, I can live. Mitchell Trubisky has a winning record in the NFL. Okay. Let's just keep that. Let's keep that in line. Now, I can live with the Mitchell Trubisky slander. I, I... <sighs> look, look. Here's what it is. Here's the truth of the matter. Let's hear it. Number one, Joe Burrow is currently the sixth best quarterback in the National Football League. He is number six. That is exactly where I would put him. Uh, But he had a bad game. Okay, look, everybody's entitled to one. Tony Romo once threw five or six interceptions in a game and, and actually won the game. They should have won the game. There's not really... They did everything wrong and still should have won that game. They had the Jamar Chase touchdown that should have been challenged, but wasn't for whatever reason. They had yeah, their no, long snapper. Gets hurt. If their mm-hmm. long snapper didn't get hurt, they win that game not only once, but twice. On top of that, their coach also made kind of an all-time weird decision as to they kicked the potential game-winning field goal on third down. No one's talking about that for some reason. It was third down. I want to say there's roughly 25-ish seconds left, and they still went for it. Why don't you try to move that ball a little bit closer? You can run it and spike it with 25 seconds left. You can throw it. I mean, I understand you've thrown quite a few interceptions, but try to get something safe, keep it inbounds, and if it gets knocked complete, whatever. Throw it for the touchdown. Make sure you don't throw an interception. Get it somewhere where Jamar Chase can get it and no one else can get it. You have a top four or five wide receiver in the league. And then what is the narrative if he wins this game? It's completely different. What we're looking at is a quarterback who has ice in his veins. He threw four, threw three interceptions, had a fumble, and still had the moxie to win the game at the end, which in theory, he still did. And the only reason they didn't is because of the long snapper. Like, it's really, really hard for me not to get behind him 
in that. And moreover, it's really difficult for me not to look at what he did last year. Last year, that game that separated it for me, that brought him to the top, was not the championship game. It was not the Super Bowl. It was a divisional round game against the Titans. That was an all-time great playoff performance in which he went 28 of 37 for 348 yards with no touchdowns and one interception, which doesn't sound that great. But when I tell you he got sacked nine times, that's all-time great. What quarterbacks out there are getting sacked nine times and winning the game in a playoff game in your first chance at the postseason? Like, I can't just take one game and be like, hey, you know what? You're you're just not that good because of that. Well, one. no, I think you're kind of misunderstanding what I'm saying. Like, I think going into the season, Joe Burrow was slightly overrated. I'm not dissing any of his potential to be really great i'm still a joe burrow fan i still sure. like him i still root for him but i mean when you look at last year it's like oh he's top six look at these look at these games but when you watch him against the ravens that was a team that was basically destroyed a secondary of pretty much practice squad players where he got most of his production last year and so i think joe burrow is a really great quarterback i think he's phenomenal uh, especially now that we're starting to see a little bit of a running game. I want to say he was like seven rushes for 46 yards on the on, on right. the feet. Like He's he mobile. can make plays. He's a good quarterback. Um, it's just like, I think that the hype was just way too high on Joe Burrow saying he's top six. Like, I don't know. I feel like you're dissing former MVP Lamar Jackson and what he's done in the game. Well, okay, won. here's here's the clutch is the ice in his veins. Go here's ahead. why I'm going to put him above Lamar Jackson, because it's as simple as this. Name me a running quarterback who's been like amazing Can't one who's do. won the super bowl like they don't they don't have that great all-time success i mean the, the best one example i can give to you is going to be steve young and that's going way back he didn't win until he like passed now i i i'm a big lamar jackson guy i really like lamar jackson lamar i, I have I a do. big fan of him but as a quarterback it's your main job to throw the football now well, as I'm gonna... a running quarterback though i mean we've really only seen it be in the meta like legitimately for 12 years like michael vick and steve young were a little bit of oddities back in their day and it that's, was a much fair. more rare thing and can't i mean i guess the closest i can get you is cam newton and he did make it to the super bowl so you do have that he did have one really great season mm -hmm. and then overall like this is part of the thing too is that part of the reason cam newton doesn't have a job is because he's not an efficient thrower so the running quarterback thing is a bit overstated for me and i do want to i do want to push back on two of your points as long as Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are in the league, he's never going to be a top two quarterback. I'm all about Josh. I am all about Joe Burrow. But as long as those two are healthy and in the league, those two are going to be firmly planted at number one and number two, especially once my dad retires. Second, I want to kind of push back on what you said about the Baltimore Ravens thing. So that happened. The big one was week 16. He went 37 of 46 for 525 yards and four touchdowns. Mm -hmm. But in my opinion, where it really started was kind of in week 13, where he kind of had a bad game. It was week 13, 2021, against the Los Angeles Chargers, I believe. They lost big time. It was, he threw for 300 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions, and a pretty bad loss. Uh, and then number week 14, he played against San Francisco, which had a stout defense. They were 25 of 34 for 348 for two touchdowns, lost the game. Week 15 was bad, 157 yards bad. And then week 17 was where the legend of Joe Burrow really started. That's when it came down from 14 points, three separate times against the reigning AFC champions, 
Chiefs, who had a top 10 scoring defense mm-hmm. and a top 10 pass defense where he was 30 of 39 for 440 yards and four touchdowns. That's really where the legend of Joe Burrow began. So I'll cut push back any of that one a little bit. But I think we are both in agreement that Joe Burrow's really good and he's going to keep being really good. You just don't yeah, think no. he's currently I, top. No, five I, top I just don't think I think the level. Oh, yeah. Not even just Lamar Jackson. I mean, of course, Russell Wilson did have a pretty bad game this Monday. Like I, to Russell Wilson standards, I should say. But I, I'm still not putting Joe Burrow over Russell Wilson yet. I'm saying that's yet. That's, so there's that's like a good three spot. quarterbacks and arguably Dak. I mean, it's going to take like six games for. I, we're going to make a topic of top 10 quarterbacks here, but I think we've, we've kind of said yeah. our piece on Joe Burrow. I think now's kind of a good time unless you have anything to add to go ahead and move uh, on. Uh, I've cooled down. I've All right. Summered. So speaking of star quarterbacks who had a tough day, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers got beaten pretty good in their first game of the season, falling 23 to seven against the Vikings in which Aaron Rodgers only threw for 195 yards, zero touchdowns and an interception. Addison, do you think this is a blip or a trend for the Packers season? So we only have a pretty low sample size of between last season and this season where he's had a really poor start to the season. Like last year, the saints absolutely trounced them. Everyone was talking about the rock, the Rogers. Like, is he, is he done? Is he, is he bad now? And it's like week one, the overreactions are absurd. I'm, I'm a, I'm a perpetrator of this, but I think it's, I think it could be either, or I'm going to go more towards a blip because I think Aaron Rodgers is, a phenomenal quarterback, uh, legendary, obviously. That's not hot take there. <laughs> That's a hot take, I guess. But um, overall, I would say that Aaron Rodgers is able to kind of bring stuff together. Having Alan Lazard back is going to be a big, is going to be big for them, I think, because Alan Lazard is the only guy from last year who's coming back in terms of that wide receiving core. That's actually pretty solid. But I think losing Devontae Adams, especially seeing how he played with Derek Carr, was really, really he was good. Really, he was good. And he you're losing good. that. You're losing a really phenomenal wide receiver. And I think it's sort of a more of a blip. I'm going to lean more towards a blip, but I wouldn't be surprised if it became a trend. Okay. This is absolutely and unequivocally a trend. There is absolutely zero doubt that this is going to continue. This team has too much to overcome. For one, their line is absolutely beat up. Both tackles are out, which is really difficult to deal with. They have no wide receivers. And even when Alan Lazard comes back, like I'm sure, like I'm sure Alan Lazard's good, but like, would he be a number two on? Half the teams in the NFL. Who are the Packers he, going against this week? The Packers are playing against the Chicago Bears this week. Now, okay. what I want to get to is I'm just going to be I'm I'm going to kind of unload on Aaron Rodgers here because I'm a little bit of an Aaron Rodgers hater. Uh, here's my big issue with Aaron Rodgers: is this game was to a point a bit of a microcosm of who Aaron Rodgers is. I really don't care that it was Week One. This dude looked like he did not care at all. I mean, he was on the sideline like this. Like, it's like, I cannot, I physically cannot imagine uh, a quarterback like, say, Tom Brady, who's someone he gets compared to in that all time discussion, sitting on the sidelines with a blase attitude when you're getting blown out. Dude, Brady screams at people to do better and inspires everyone around him to do better and holds people accountable. Like, what is this dude doing standing on the sideline? Okay. I, I just, I can't grasp the blase attitude that he plays this game with now i compared him to brady once and i'd like to do that again at least in terms Mm -hmm. of his all-time 
in terms of who he is all time. I have a I have a I have a feeling that this season is going to be a really interesting comparison to Brady in terms of Brady's 2019 season and his 2013 season. So in his 2019 season, he had the 32nd ranked group of pass catchers. This is the last season he was with the Patriots, right? Say here was his stat line. He had 24 touchdowns, eight interceptions and 4,000 yards, which is actually a very similar stat line to what Dak Prescott used to get into the Super Bowl his rookie season, but that's neither here nor there. Moreover, here's the point of what I would like to say. Tom Brady's team had the seven most points in the league that season with a 32nd ranked group of pass catchers. So here's what I'm going to suggest that Rodgers does is Rodgers has a really average season by his standards. It's going to look something like that, but he's going to continue to fail in the postseason because he's going to blame it on everybody else. He's not going to take responsibility for it. He's not going to try to do better. He's not going to get up under his teammate skin. He's not going to be a leader because he's not that guy. He's not a foxhole guy. He's just not all that. I disagree. I think there's too much. Uh, I see. I'm. I, I love. I, I like Aaron Rodgers a lot. I think he is overrated by a niche group of people. I am really that love. niche group. No, when I say the niche group, when I'm referring to the niche group that says that who's. Uh, sorry. Yeah, my bad. Let me reword that. There are a niche group of people who overrate Aaron. Rodgers. Okay, got you, got you. That's what I mean. I think there's like a weird niche group that thinks like. He's top two, and I think the eye test, he's like one of the best eye test players I've seen. Like, just watching him, you just yeah. already know that he's really amazing, and the stats to show for it. Um, I think, I don't know, this is probably, I mean, for right now, obviously, it's not really as much of a hot take, but I still have Peyton Manning and Drew Brees over them because of just the leadership and being able to revive the franchises they have been able to. Well, you know, Aaron Rodgers kind of inherited this team uh, in a sense. Um sure. And of course, he's led it since then. You know, he's built these teams, but he, you know, he's also pulled off one of like some of the clutchest moments I've seen with the double hair. He's not a clutch quarterback. That is where people get misunderstood. Is that he is not a clutch quarterback. He is exclusively clutch against your Arizona Cardinals and the Detroit Lions. He's not clutch against anybody else. There are no other clutch victories. There is okay. He had okay. I'll give him this. He did have one good one against San Francisco. But I have a graphic ready specifically for this moment. I'm gonna pull up on screen now. This graphic was from two years ago, so it has changed since then. This is from just about this time from two years ago, and this was on the Colin Coward uh, show. It is behind you. This is winning percent when trailing at any point. Okay, if you look, the notable quarterback on top, you can't see it because we're in the way. Uh, the top one is going to be Tom Brady up there, Peyton Manning's up there, Ben Roethlisberger's in there. And if you'll notice at the very bottom, even below Tim Tebow, is Aaron Rodgers with 0.477 win percent when trailing at any point. So explain to me how a quarterback who has a losing record when they trail by as little as one point at any point in the game can be considered a clutch quarterback. Well, I mean, it is a team game at the end of the day. But I wait, mean, dude, like, no, I'm not hearing so, this because here's no. why. Because you can't have Devon, you cannot have Devontae Adams. You cannot be considered an all-time great quarterback. You cannot be considered all that because you're right, it is a team game. But name to me all the receivers that Tom Brady made that he had that he has all these that are all-time great outside of that 2007 season. The answer is Gronkowski, who's an all-time great, and then you have Wes Welker, who didn't do anything in Miami before he got there, and Julian Edelman, who is a seventh-round converted quarterback from Kent State. Who else? I mean, when you look at his defense, I mean, Vince Wolfork, Darrell okay, Revis, and, and the NFC I mean, North, which has the which has the Bears has, that are eternally terrible and the Lions that are eternally terrible. He's had some historically great defenses. Like, I mean, I love Tom Brady. Don't get me wrong; I like Tom Brady a lot. But at the same time, like. 
Look at the defenses. Tom Brady has played with Tom some Brady of the best has defenses. a winning record even when just the team look at scores Tom, over 30 points. Yeah, but look at Tom Brady these past few seasons. Like everyone talks like Tom Brady just came to this this team and is the only reason. Like I've heard this. I've more it's more of a casual fan type, sure. type take. But it's like people also forget he has at one point he had four wide receiver ones. He had Gronkowski, who he yeah, he retired, but he still He's had old. a lot of juice. Antonio Brown, you still had Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Okay, that's since 2020. What yeah, about but 2001 to 2019? Well, you're kind of blindsiding me because I, I didn't I didn't know you were okay. Gonna, that's fine. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know you were gonna come all the I didn't have you prepared for this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you kind of glanced over it, but I mean I would I would have to do a little bit more research on on him because you did kind of mention it when we talked about it a little bit. That's but. fine. I'm, I'm not gonna force you on the spot about Aaron, about Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers. The, so the I was point just of going based is, off of Aaron Rodgers is not a clutch quarterback. I'm I'm gonna continue to say that till the day that I die. And I just I I can't I just I can't get behind someone that that just gets trounced out of the playoffs left and right first game he plays. Like, and it has a losing record well, in the playoffs the past 16 games. Like, it's just, it's a team game. But if you're all-time great, you win more of those games than you lose, and he doesn't. I want to say I don't, I'm kind of talking out of my ass here a little bit. Sure. But with Kobe Bryant in particular, a very clutch player, as we know, I want to say, and like I said, I'm not 100% sure about this, but his efficiency in clutch shots, he actually wasn't even that good compared to a lot of the people who are in the top 15, top 10. I, like I said, I'm not too confident on that. I'm not too sure if that is 100% the case. But like clutchness is more about the moments. And like, yeah, you can look at the stats, but at the same time, like stats won't tell you the whole story about sure. those games. Um, I won't do that to you, but. I mean, like I said, I'm kind of talking out of my ass here. So we'll, we'll no, just, that's fine. I we'll, threw some we'll, stuff. I, I blindsided yeah. you a little bit. We got we got slightly off off topic. We were talking bad. about Tom Brady, and uh, but I'm a Tom Brady homer, so I'm always going to defend my guy. Yeah. And no one can be better than my guy. Okay, I don't so, think he's better than Tom. I don't think I don't think Tom. Br- I don't think Aaron Rodgers is better than Tom Brady. But oh, it's okay. I would know. come to where you're at and fight you if you did. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we are going to go ahead and come on back to our best and worst segment. This is something we're going to do each week. Uh, So we're going to go ahead and give you our takeaways of what we thought were the best and the worst takeaways of the week. So Addison, I'll go ahead and let you start us off. I kind of have a controversial take a little bit, but I want to say my best this week. Mind you, they lost to a really, really, really good team. But I think that them losing this game will fortify them as a better team and they'll just get better. But I think the Rams were kind of the best. I feel like they kind of got a wake up call. They just came off a Super Bowl. They thought they were going to come in against the Bills and just be like, "All right, we're going to be competitive." And they got humbled. I still think the team is still really good. I still think Allen Robinson, I mean even though I'm not really a big Allen Allen Robinson truther or anything, but you even had Odell standing up for the team. They're like, "Man, right. they'd be yeah." So like Odell still seems like he's a little bit of a simp for the Rams. He could come back if he comes back is a completely different story. I know that they lost some alignment, um, but I think the Rams, I think they're still fine. I know a lot of people's kind of overreacting, being like, they got destroyed, but I think they just kind of got humbled. They Bills are mm. 10 are way better, but I also, I think it says less about the, the, the Rams and more about the Bills, about how well that game turned out to them, because I don't think people realize, because it was a shock. I remember I told someone about this. I was like, yeah, the Bills have one of the best defenses, and they're like, what? And I was like, 
because they saw they saw the Chiefs game and they're like they looked awful against the Chiefs and I was like well first of all that's the Chiefs and second of all the Bills have a very underrated defense their defense is really solid and they have a lot of playmakers especially adding Von Miller that veteran presence to your team like yeah sure he's 33 but he was wreaking havoc in that game he was pretty solid um I think when they get because I don't think Zadarius White um I hope I'm pronouncing his name right um Maybe I'm mixing the two up, but the cornerback for the Bills was their best cornerback wasn't out in the game. Tredavious White, my bad. Um, I think I'm thinking of the Packers player, but he was if he was out there, I mean, who's to say that Cooper Cup doesn't get a little bit of I, I think they play more of a zone, but at the same time, I think the Rams are going to be better after the, after this and start to prepare and kind of realize that, Hey, you know, there's a lot of other great teams out there and they're going to probably be studying harder. And I feel like this is going to be a, a net positive for them, you know, sure, but sure. Kind of a bad take, but I, I'll That's ride not with a bad it. take. Okay. Uh, I'll go ahead and go on to my, we have two each. So I'll go ahead and go on to my, my best, my first one. Uh, the best for me is Tom coming back. So Tom, Brady absolutely seems to have made the right decision in terms of coming back this season. The offensive line is definitely a concern, but there was definitely plenty to like from Sunday night. Brady's arm still looks lively. Something I really liked is that they showed a commitment to the run that they did not in the 2021 season. They actually finished that game with more rush attempts than pass attempts. And this is coming from a team that actually last season set the record for least rush attempts in a game. So I think that's great. Uh, once this offensive line gets healthy, this is definitely bar none without any question going to be the best offense in the national football league. Like you said, they do have three legitimate number one wide receivers. Uh, and there's also something that is really to like about, uh, their left guard actually had a really, their, their, their rookie left guard had a really good game. Uh, Luke Gedeke, he had a pass block win rate of 87.5% and a run block win rate of 70%, which is obviously really good for a, a rookie making his first start in the NFL. And at this moment, they're the best team in the NFC, which isn't saying much, but if and when they get healthy, they are going to be in the Super Bowl. What is your second takeaway for the best this week? I want to say the second best is actually going to be more of a fantasy-related one. I'm going okay. to say Saquon Barkley and the Giants finally being able to bring that man back to the dead, back from the dead. My friend said something that was so like 100% true. It's like, man, he was resurrected on that football field. Like that was Saquon Barkley, not from even 2017, but from the year. Wait, uh, no, not 2017. He came in 2018. But it was like uh, because the second year wasn't as explosive as his rookie year. And this was like vintage, vintage uh, Saquon Barkley uh, from his rookie year where he looked good. Yeah, he looked phenomenal. He looked explosive. He didn't look scared. And I kind of knew that Saquon um, because I was a little salty being having Saquon last year uh, in fantasy. But Saquon, they were kind of reserving him. And it was just like they were kind of not using him to his full strength. He kept getting injured from like weird little things. Like he stepped weird on that stuff. guy's foot, rolled right. his ankle. Um, but I think now that Saquon has no limits and the new coaching staff really wants to get him involved. Daniel Jones didn't even look that bad. Of course, it is Tennessee. I think Tennessee has regressed significantly over the years compared to where we saw them uh, when they lost to the Ravens in the divisional round. Or No, that was the wild card. Um, and so I think that... That was a huge positive. And I think the Giants actually have something to be excited about. And for the first time in a long time, I mean, they've been a really bad team. But I feel like now that they they, they have a new culture and with Saquon Barkley being back, I think the team is going to continue to do well. 
Absolutely. And that coach coming in there with, with no fear going for it on that, 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 that two point, like Takes that's, the that's, is, dog. yeah, that is impressive. I mean, I, Daniel Jones is still a young quarterback to walk him out there and just say, Hey, go win us the game and like go for it. That's gotta be a nice vote of confidence for someone that's been dogged like Daniel Jones has. I think that's a, that's definitely a really good take. They all have. I yeah. Think everyone on the giants have kind of wish yeah. Kadarius Tony was out there a little bit more, but Hey, I, I'm in the same boat there. He's a Tony's an exciting player when he's out there, but what does he do yeah. not being out there? So yeah, my other takeaway this week best is Josh Allen's MVP hopes. Like it's all it's it has almost been a week now. He threw two interceptions on Thursday, which one of which was the receiver's fault. But this dude looked good on Thursday night. Like, damn, prime time lights were on, and he comes out of the gate 15 or 6, 15 of 16 to open the game. Three touchdowns to the air, one on the ground, one stiff arm highlight. What an absolute amazing way to start the season for one Josh Allen, who came in with MVP hopes. Everyone's like, hey, this is the best team. This is the best quarterback. You touched on it last week. He's due. He didn't just look like he was due. He looked like he's going to win it. He absolutely just lit up the world. when, Like, first game of the season, and it was like everybody in the world got to see the right. best version of Josh Allen. His MVP hopes definitely went through the roof. Absolutely. One thing is that there's a lot of contrarians who are just like, but Patrick Mahomes did so well. And Yeah, granted, Patrick Mahomes did really well. Mm -hmm. But I think people were kind of a little bit overrating the Cardinals. The Cardinals have a terrible defense, in my opinion, as a Cardinals fan. Um, but no, Josh Allen is—he's uh, ascending. Like when we talk Absolutely. about how he was his rookie year, or even his second year, we were just like, "Who is this guy?" You guys drafted him, you know, like over—I think at the time it was over Lamar Jackson because Lamar Jackson. Oh yeah, he went like and I think like, he went number six compared to the other quarterbacks that he went with: Lamar Jackson, Sam Darnold. Um, Baker Mayfield. It's like, dude, he's all three of them combined. He is in so 10 times better. Oh like, yeah, he's so far and away looking like the best quarterback from that class. Oh, like, it is. Yeah. It, this dude, it, like, you might as well like if five more years of this and just put him in the Hall of Fame. Like, he is. He's special. You see it. Like, you yeah. see, like, you can see special when he's on the TV. When Herbert's on the TV. When Mahomes is on the TV, you can see special. They are absolutely special, no doubt about it. A big credit about Josh Allen that I respect more than a, pretty much any player is he goes out there and he plays like it's his last game. Too. He's a dog. He just doesn't care. Like, I remember a few years ago he tried to do that massive hurdle, and people were like, "What are you doing? You're gonna get hurt." And it's like, dude, no. He has the heart of a lion, dude. He's a He's a legend. And he's a I buffalo think, man just running through. People. Oh, yeah, dude. I'm surprised he hasn't gotten injured yet, dude. Dude, man. I, I do worry about that because he, he, the way he plays the game reminds me a lot of Cam Newton, who we talked about earlier. And like Cam Newton was beat up with injuries through his entire, entire career. Like, I get it. You're bigger, tougher than everyone. But, dude, you're a quarterback. You are the most valuable thing on that field. Like, get down. That and a does little bit of. Of a Go fun ahead. fact is that there was also, like, so in the NBA, there were shock rules. So, um, the same penalties that like, let's just say another player would get a smaller player would get wouldn't apply to Shaq. So when right. you're bigger, and this is the same way with Cam Newton as well, or maybe even Josh Allen. I I'm not too sure. I haven't seen a whole lot to really be able to determine this, Sure, but because Josh Allen takes those hits, the same penalties that would apply to Tom Brady probably aren't going to apply to Josh Allen because they're going to be like, Oh, he can handle it. He, he's tough. It, 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 it is a fact. They did that with Shaq back in the day where it's like, something that would be a normal penalty for like a, a point guard would be 
just nothing to Shaq because they're like, oh, he's bigger. He can handle it. And that's why a lot of these bigger quarterbacks who are very physical um, kind of wear out just because people are hitting them a lot harder and they're, you know, not getting penalties for it, you know? No, but, you're you're totally right. There are some players that are more difficult to officiate than others. Like Roethlisberger right. suffered from that. Cam Newton suffered from that. You're totally right. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to our worst. What is your, one of your worst to what what is your worst takeaway from this weekend of football honestly the broncos like how do you go to seattle and just like you're that's just embarrassing that was embarrassing because they i from my understanding they ran out the clock and went for a 60 yard field goal with a lot of time left it was a third and five i want to say and it's like you have you traded for this quarterback. You believe in this guy. You claim to have a complete upgrade from the Seattle Seahawks. I kind of now that I was kind of watching the games, I'm just like, you know, if you think about it, DK and Lockett, I think are way better than than Cortland and Judy. But I, I don't know, man. It was just kind of embarrassing. Like, how are you going to go out there not have a single? Mind you, Russell Wilson didn't have a single target to a wide receiver until the finally in the second quarter he passed it to Jerry Judy for like a 60 yard touchdown. So it's just like. The offense at first looked really good, and then it just kind of looked bad. There was, like, weird fumbles by Javante Williams on the goal line. This is a game that the Broncos were supposed to win, and there was a lot of opportunities to win them. But at the same time, like, the Broncos just kept choking. They they honestly threw this game in a way, and it was embarrassing. Another embarrassing aspect is they made Geno Smith look phenomenal. I want to say at one point in the game, he was 14 for 14. He was absurd. They made him look amazing. And it was just like, what are you guys doing? Like the Broncos are supposed to be way better than this because they're supposed to be not only an upgrade from the Seahawks, according to the media in the offseason, but the Broncos are supposed to be 10 times better. Not to mention he's going from the NFC West, which is a pretty tough division. Um, but now he's in the toughest division. And now I'm starting to I'm, I'm a little skeptical. It's like, can this Broncos team handle the Chargers or the Chiefs? I don't know. You're, yeah, you're totally right on this one. They he they botched it. Literally, they are a. Each team had a fourth fourth down. They went for it on the goal line. Each yeah. team didn't make it. The difference was, uh, that that second Javante Williams fumble, the second one, the first one I think was Melvin Gordon, that altered oh, really? their chances mm-hmm. to win the game according to next gen stats by twenty five percent. They lot they literally twenty five percent less chance to win that game just because he fumbled. If he just doesn't fumble there and they kick the field goal, they win the game. Like that that's literally if I remember correctly, that was a third down. That was not fourth down. That was a third down. They lost the ball. They got it back. They kicked the field goal. It's much closer, and they win the game. I totally so, agree with you there. They're so big. I, I, my bad. That was kind of a, an error on my part. The Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. They're kind of yeah. There's they're, yeah. It's it's fine. It's 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 minimal, and it's like you're totally right. Like how it's yeah. fourth and five. You you have Russell Wilson, who's known to be an extremely clutch quarterback. Just go for it. Like just go for right. it. You're yeah. you're totally right there. Okay. So my takeaway, my worst of the week is this is probably a low hanging fruit. But being an Atlanta Falcons fan just sucks, man. The Jameis Winston stat line at halftime was 5 of 10 for 24 yards. Okay, 24. And I believe going into the fourth quarter, he only had, I want to say it was like 86 yards total. Okay, and in the fourth quarter, they were up 26 to 10. The Falcons were only to lose 27 to 26. They just cannot hold a lead. They can't do anything right. There is nothing that sucks more than being an Atlanta Falcons fan. But at least 
couple takeaways. At least they have the Braves and the Georgia Bulldogs. But I will say this much. It was a great day to be a converted running back because Taysom Hill, the former quarterback, and Cordero Patterson, the former wide receiver kick returner, each led their respective teams in rushing yards. So it was a good day to be. Isn't that a, wild? It, yeah, it was a good day the, to be a converted <laughs> converted player, I guess. The Falcons are the first. And that would if you would have told me all the teams he had been on, I the Falcons would have probably been the last one that I would have thought, yeah, they're the ones who got the full, the most out of Corderell Patterson, right? Yeah, yeah who would have yeah. thought? Dude, right. they, dude they, they, the Patriots moved him to running back. They're like, that's a great idea. Come do that for us. And now all of a sudden he's like an amazing player. Yeah. What, yeah, yeah. what is your worst of the week, Addison? So I'm going to do a homer pick. Okay. I'm going to say the Cardinals, man. That was just kind of, they didn't, I mean, granted, they lost a lot of their players. DeAndre Hopkins is suspended. There were some injuries. Rondell Moore, Zach Ertz were injured. Uh, JJ Watt wasn't playing. So there was a lot of injuries and a lot of just kind of like whatever's, but the team just didn't even look like they looked so uninspiring. Like it, when you look at the Cardinals' first two drives, it looked, it looked solid. Like they, when they got that first touchdown to James Conner, I believe. It was just like, okay, yeah, there's some life here. You know, it was still a, a significant lead that the Chiefs had. But then the Chiefs just started going ham. And it was kind of like a buffet. It's like, oh, we're going to get a little bit of, of juju in there. We, you know, some Scanlon <laughs> in there. You know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Isaiah Pacheco. Um, Jay, like, they literally – it seemed like every time I was watching the Chiefs, there was a new name that I've never heard of. And I'm just like, well, I <laughs> – I was just like, man, it's like it'd be, and it honestly makes me concerned as a Cardinals fan. They look gutted. And yeah. I think you mentioned it. I think that Cliff Kingsbury is definitely on the hot seat. And, you know, that's kind of concerning because when you have a quarterback like um, Kyler Murray, who's supposed to be dominant in the first eight games and you guys are already sucking. That's pretty bad. I think they're probably like one of my worst. And I think it's only going to get worse because you want to talk about not clutch. The Cardinals, they have clutch moments but they when when it comes to adversity they are terrible with it like last year last year like anytime things got a little bit worse they magnified it 10 times and they just can, they snowballed into you know kyler murray fuck, you know tossing the ball to uh you know in the in the wild card game on the goal line and in throwing a pick six it was just like come on man what are you they're, they're just the one. Yeah, they're just not watching enough film, <laughs> dude. Oh yeah, Call of Murray, dog. Yeah, my, Call my of Murray. Bad. Oh, All right, dude, it's embarrassing. That yeah, there is absolutely nothing good to be taken away from that game. So my worst of the week. The other one for me is anybody in anything who watched the Cincinnati Pittsburgh game. That game was exciting for. All of the wrong reasons. Like, yeah, it was fun to watch the attempted comeback. But like I said earlier, the non-call and the Jamar Chase touchdown in the fourth, they gave it to him with the one was clearly a touchdown. Joe Burrow was getting chased all day long. Look, that was that offensive line was statistically better. Their their pass rush rate, if you will, was 56 percent. Or I'm sorry, it was 48 percent, meaning on 48 percent drop back his pressure. Last season, it was 56. So congratulations. You were a little bit better. Uh, but the Pittsburgh running game was pathetic. JJ Watt got hurt. Both teams are missing field goals. Field goals were blocked. The long snapper got hurt. The game was three seconds away from being a tie. It was just exciting for all the wrong reasons. And it's honestly probably, I would call it the best bad game I've ever watched 
it was just it wasn't a good game, but it was like oh. you just couldn't take your eyes off of it. But there were some really great moments, like when Deontay Johnson caught that one-handed grab. I don't know if you that, saw oh, that. Oh, no, amen to yeah. that. That was exciting. No, that, that was, was, that was a really solid. impressive catch. Absolutely. Also, a little bit of uh, an angry tirade is that how in the off season did Mike Tomlin just be like Mason Cole? That's yeah, we're good. That's I think they Mason added Rudolph? like a new uh no uh Mason Cole their center and then oh, they had oh, okay. a left guard. Um like in the offseason, it's like they did nothing to improve the O line. Like they're like I, I love that they have a potentially like really good potential like Pro Bowl. I think he probably made the Pro Bowl last year, but Najee Harris, like He's literally running into sacks of meat. Like the nothing. O line is so nothing. useless. Like oh, even yeah. the Seahawks, who had two rookie uh, tackles, they had a, a rookie left tackle and a rookie right tackle, which is absurd. They looked way better than some of these veterans on the Steelers O line. It was just like, come on, man. It was just awful. And then one of the O linemen fell onto Najee Harris's foot, one of his bad feet, uh, the one he had to Liz Frank on. And it's just like, dude, man, get some better O line. Get him they- utilized. Yeah, like there's 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 nothing good. Like there was there was some good, but there was a heck of a lot more bad than there was good. Absolutely. And then George Pickens was wide open, and Mitchell Trubisky's just like, nah, man, nah, fam, I'm done, nah, dude. It's like, come it's all on, right, man. I, I, I'll go ahead and we'll take this to overtime. <sighs> so it's upsetting. All right, what is your worst of the week? Your second one. What do you got for us? Already, already gave it to you. Uh, oh, you Cardinal? did. Okay. Yeah. My bad. bad. I've actually got one more. I've got a third bonus one. Oh, you have I a learned third about one? this this morning. I've got oh, a third okay. bonus. Worst of the week is not playing in the preseason. Quarterbacks who did not play in the preseason went three oh. and eight in week one. That is including really? Matt Stafford, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, mm-hmm. Ryan Tannehill. Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers. So perhaps it's not everything, but perhaps it is something. Okay. Wait, what were the court? You said Russell Wilson was on that list? Uh, Yeah. Matthew Stafford, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Ryan Tannehill, Aaron Rodgers, and Derek Carr all did not play in the preseason. All of them lost. Uh, Who says the preseason doesn't matter? Who says the preseason? Is this a correlation or not? Hey, correlation is not necessarily causation, but. Yeah. there's it, a correlation but there's no yeah we don't know if that's late you know? yeah i mean it's it was just it was it was an ugly week for offense all around so it was it was an ugly ugly week okay moving on so the tampa bay buccaneers tom brady and the buccaneers traveled to new orleans this season in their first game against the saints the buccaneers have not beaten the New Orleans Saints in the regular season since Tom Brady got there. Do you think this is the time the Buccaneers finally take down the goaded regular season Saints? I don't know where I'm at on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think they're going to be fine. I mean, the NFC West is, or not the NFC West, but the NFC in general is a little bit uh, suspect, I think, you know, so I feel like the Buccaneers are still the best team in in the uh, NFC. But I do know where I stand on the Saints. And I still think the Saints, I mean, yeah, they kind of struggled against the Falcons last week. But you have veteran guys who just want to be there just because it's Louisiana. So they got culture guys that are in there just because they want to be a part of the team. They've always had a really solid defense. Um, Jameis Winston, actually, you know, uh, LASIK Jameis, dude. He got the LASIK eye surgery. We've been waiting on this for three years, two years, one of the two. I forget. I think it was uh, when they got Tom Brady in the offseason, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did. Um, But when Jameis Winston 
Houston went to the Saints, you know, it seemed like Sean Payton was kind of ghosting him. But now we finally get to see Jameis Winston. He looked really solid. Michael Thomas, I was a little bit, sus- uh, you know, I was a little bit kind of um, questioning how sure. long someone can come. You know, he was out. We haven't seen him play in like almost two years, I want to say. And to see him kind of come out there, he didn't have the same explosiveness, but he still looked really, really solid. Um, however, you know, they still have Alvin Kamara. Uh, I think Chris Olave will develop and kind of become more of a, a latter half of the season kind of boom sure. player for them. But this is a really solid team. Um in terms of who I want to win, I do want the Saints to win, but obviously I still think uh, I think Tampa gets their due, you know, because they don't have Sean Payton. Um, the Saints don't have Sean Payton anymore, and he could have been the main reason why they won. You know, maybe his coaching adjustments, his understanding, his life experience as a ho- head coach probably played uh, a small variable into it, but I'm not really too sure. I can really talk myself into the Saints winning this game, but it's a lot easier for me to talk myself into the Buccaneers winning this game just for really the reason you mentioned, which is Sean Payton. Uh, This is the Tampa. I don't think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense is going to be perhaps what it was that Super Bowl run where they were just mauling everybody. Uh, I think they have potential to be pretty close, but but, uh, Sean Payton's one of the more... He's one of the best offensive minds we've seen in years. And for him, it's it, I believe that he's able to schematically drop the plays and the moves to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. I don't believe that's going to be the case against with Dennis Allen as the head coach. Jameis Winston said this week that they started picking up yards when they, quote, threw out the game plan. So I don't hmm. trust them to be able to throw out the game plan and let's go out there and just start making plays. This is not the Atlanta Falcons. This is not that defense that only has Grady Jarrett and only has uh, that cornerback whose name I can never remember. Who's really, really, really good. AJ Terrell. That's all they've got. I mean, like, like you've got two legitimate defensive player of the year candidates in Devin white and Antoine Winfield on this Buccaneers defense. And you've also got Akeem Hicks, Vita Vea, You've got Jordan Tryon Shoyenka, who actually looks like he's coming on quite a bit. And Logan Hall is actually a, I believe, their second-round pick. There's a clip of him bullying Zach Martin out there. So I would say just by the virtue of the defense of the Buccaneers looking like it could be significantly better without that offensive game planning from Sean Payton, I'm going to say they pull this one out. And probably another low-scoring game, which is going to bring up questions next week. We're going to be like, oh, what's wrong with the what's wrong with the Buccaneers? What's wrong with offense? Tom Brady? We don't yeah, know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Next week, we're going to be talking about, well, the Buccaneers have only scored, you know, 39 points in two games. What's wrong? So right. that's potentially what I see happening there. Anything to add on there before we move on? Uh, not really. Um, but I will say this about Jameis Winston. I mean, can we really take anything that man says seriously? Like he just kind of goes, I guess he you're right. a, man, he throws out the game plan when he gets on the camera and then starts, <laughs> you know, uh, speaking in the microphone. I don't know. Um, I, I remembered this when he won the, the beat at the time, I think it was the BCS championship game. Uh, it was FSU versus Auburn. Yep. Um, and when he won his interview post game, rewatch that it makes no sense. You're just like, what are you talking about? So I, I don't know. I, maybe Jameis was just kind of, this, this sounds like camera, a, but. this sounds like a Aaron Rodgers plays a game on Percocet. Uh, Jameis Winston plays oh, every yeah. game on Percocet. <laughs> <laughs> it's money. Uh, dude, that video, I'll rewatch that all the time, dude. Aaron we'll, Rodgers is hilarious. We'll, we'll play it next week. All right. Moving on to our final topic of the week. We are doing this every week. We have our upset pick of the week. Go ahead and get us started, Addison. So allegedly, 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 
the Chargers are uh, like set to up are the like are not favored to win this game, which Three is and absurd a half point to dogs. Me. I think the defense on the Chiefs end is just like a very underwhelming. I think the Chargers are really solid. Um, I think there's just too many weapons on the Chargers, and the Chargers also have a point to prove because th- that defense is absurdly good. I love JC Jackson. I love Khalil Mack. I like um, Joey Bosa. My bad. Sometimes I, I get them mixed I mix up. Them up too. I'm, I'm going to go with the Chargers. I think the Chargers just have more weapons, more playmakers on the field that day. I'm still not sold on whether or not the wide receiver committee in uh, Kansas City is really going to be all that effective. Uh, long term, I'm I'm very low on the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals are going to be a really bad team this year, and I think the Chiefs kind of just bullied them. And I don't think they're going to have as easy as a time bullying the Chargers. So I think sure. the Chargers will probably win. I think my my prediction of the score will be 28-23. Oh, that's kind of a low scoring game. Okay, I I'm on yeah. your I'm on your side there too. I absolutely am going to pick the Chargers to win that game. Uh, I for all the exact same reasons that you 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 highlighted. So my upset pick of the week is going to be the Vikings over the Eagles. At this time, the Eagles are currently I want to I remember correctly three and a half point favorites. I'm going to pick the Vikings to go ahead, and I believe it's also in Philadelphia. I'm going to pick them to go into Philadelphia and win that game. Uh, the reasons are pretty simple: is that I believe that the Vikings have quite literally a better everything than the Eagles, aside from all around running game. Uh, I believe their defense is better. I believe Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts, which might be a hot take. I believe their wide receivers are better, and I think their running backs are better. So why are they three-point underdogs? Like, I think every unit that they have uh, is better than what the Eagles are bringing to the table. So for that, I'm going to give them the win there. It's it's almost a tale of two teams. Like, I think Minnesota is massively underrated. And even by me, I think I've massively underrated the Vikings. Um, and of course they did beat the Packers, but at the same time, this like, I love Jalen Hurts. He's my boy. He's my, one of my favorite players. I've always liked him. I liked him back when he was in Alabama. I was just like, man, you know, he's a beast. Um, he also has a huge mental fortitude. He's really, he knows how to persevere. He handles adversity really well, but like, I still think the Eagles are a little slightly overrated. Yeah. They beat the the lions, but they let the lions come back. They let them in the game. game. Right. Yeah. And, you know, they also made DeAndre. I mean, I like DeAndre Swift as well. They also made DeAndre Swift look like he was probably the best running back to ever exist. Like the Vikings could not or not the Vikings. Are we going to say is it safe to say Dalvin Cook is at least as good as DeAndre Swift, if not potentially better? Wait, DeAndre Swift. No, Dalvin Cook is way better than DeAndre. Yeah. So what what do we expect to see out of out of like Philadelphia? I mean, like, right. what are we going to see out of them trying to stop Dalvin Cook if they got ran all over by DeAndre Swift? Yeah, and the whole narrative going into the game is that DeAndre Swift wasn't going to have these big pop-off plays because the previous year the Lions were really good at containing big pop-off plays. But after seeing last week, it was just like Swift looked – he ascended. <laughs> he he ascended. looked like a Georgia running back. Yeah, and it's like they have great corners. The Eagles have great corners, but Justin Jefferson is potentially already – developing discussions that he's probably going to be the one of the best wide receivers we'll ever see play like he's absurdly good he's already on track to break so many records and the the way the game is played these days it's wide receiver records are going to start falling and we're going to see them like career yardage records touchdown records those are all going down with the way the receivers are so 
like Justin Jefferson. And what was so dumb about Justin Jefferson against the Packers uh, last weekend uh, was the fact that they, at some point it was like, who, who's, who's guarding him at this point. And I remember Nobody, showed, like, apparently. Clip. Yeah. They had a clip of this linebacker or this defensive end that was covering him. And I'm just like, what are they doing? This guy's a ge- the, the term generational gets thrown around a lot, but Justin Jefferson is a generational player. Like we're going to be talking about him hopefully 20 years from now, but yeah, no, I, um, that's absurd. I can't believe the Eagles are favored to win that game. All right. Well, Hey, that is it for me. And in closing thoughts, Addison, uh, no, uh, not at all. Um, unless you have any, Nope, that is it. Hey, everybody. Thank you all for tuning in. Take care, everybody. James Robinson season. <laughs>